When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. On this episode of the animation deliberation we're covering the penultimate episode arc of young justice season one so stay tuned for that after some advertisements we don't have any say over all right one two three it's time for animation deliberation a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series yeah Ooh, that falsetto Alright, 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 welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and today I am joined by my co-host, Zuhair Ali. How's it going, Zuhair? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, We are continuing our coverage of Young Justice Season 1, and this was a show that you recommended to me, and I think I said it on the last episode, but as we continue to progress, I am just more and more impressed with the quality of the show and the continuity of the show. It's it's really starting to pay off and I'm excited to to get into these uh these episodes here. Just before we I was worried that I set the bar a little too high, so I'm glad that it's like reaching that threshold now. Yeah, yeah. Uh I guess before we we really start to like dive into the episodes, why don't you just uh give your initial impressions on this arc as a whole? I know you said there was one episode in particular that kind of stood out to you, so we can use that as a jumping off point. Yeah, so the intent of this arc was that in the last episode that we covered, we spoke a lot about how the big concern of the team was that there was a mole and it was causing a lot of chaos between the team and they were finally like finding their mojo and then the whole concept of the mole was really bringing them apart. Uh, so that attention starts to start becoming problematic again. Um. So now that they finally got comfortable with the fact that, okay, there may not be a mole, we should be good to go, everyone seems to trust each other, we start to see these individual stories and how much um, these heroes are actually keeping from each other, whether it be blackmail or personal issues or history or whatever the case may be, everyone's got a burden that they're carrying now that's really affecting quality of the team and they still have the conversation of like the leadership between red tornado batman robin and aqualad trying to figure out not only who it is but if there even is one like are they running around in circles right now are they being ineffective because they think there is one but there seems to still be one and we get to break down the characters who seem to have gotten their each uh to each have gotten their own episode about the things that they're bearing and enduring and how it's affecting the overall quality of the of the team. Yeah, I think that's a, a fairly astute observation. You, you call them burdens. Um, you might call them secrets, which I think is, is pretty apt given the, the first episode of this particular arc that we dive into is called Secrets. Um, you know, we've already had hints that Artemis has a, a secret past. We know that she has a relationship with 
um, Cheshire, who's with the the League of Shadows or Assassins. Is it the League of Shadows or Assassins in this one? It's League of Shadows in this that's, one, which is that, a name I highly prefer. That's right. That's right. That's right. So yeah, uh, Artemis obviously has her secrets. Uh, we found out that you know McGann is a lot more powerful than we initially thought, or that even her her own uncle thought. But we also uh, there's a character that uh, is not an official part of the team, but you know anybody that is is familiar with the character of Shazam or Captain Marvel knows that he carries a big secret with him. And even though he hasn't been a major focal part of this season as a whole, he has had uh, some really nice moments and some nice build-up, and I think it really started to pay off uh, with what you described as your favorite episode of this season, which was called Misplaced. And that's kind of a... We get almost like a... To to make an allusion to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we get a version of the snap, right? I mean, they did it first, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's essentially the snap. Um what happens is you see the funny part of this episode, I'm just going to throw the hysterical thing real quick is that because Batman doesn't have superpowers, he's automatically like the supervisor of everything and everybody else does all the heavy lifting. Right. So the fact that they were moving boxes and it was like Satara using his magic and Red Tornado using his powers and Batman's just like, are you working? <laughs> so gr- but one of the I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> Man, it, I was laughing so hard when I was watching that. I was like, this is one of the benefits to not having powers. There's no manual labor. He's like, you think I'm going to pick up a box and you guys can handle it? That's great. <laughs> it's like the, it's the whole don't touch my pile thing with Tony and Cat. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Don't take from my pile. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, to get into it a little bit, we were talking about how uh, Zatanna was having the issue of her own type of lack of a better word oppression uh Mm. it seems like zatara is a single dad and he's very protective of his daughter like she brings up the point of um i i wish he would like it takes so much for me to just be able to like come see you guys with him uh like being a part of the team is just like out of the question right now and i wish that he would give me space and then it cuts over to batman talking about Zatanna to Zatara and you see the friendship that that Batman and Zatara have you see that they've been working with each other for quite some time and like, this, like I said about this version of Batman is you get to see the emotional side a little bit and it's it's, it's really heartfelt about him talking about it it's like I'm just scared for her like I don't want her to get in trouble I don't want her to get hurt she's my only child and um Zatanna's wish comes true at that point and half the population disappears anybody 18 or older is gone and then all of the children disappear and it turns out that the the evil sorcerers managed to make two dimensions in which the the adults are in one and the children are other and a lot of chaos is brewing through because the children don't have parents so they're just out in the streets like being a mess or they're unprotected like the much younger ones Mm. so the team as we spoke on the last episode, have been giving opportunities to where they have to handle Justice League level stuff. Like handling the Injustice League was a big thing for them. And now it's like, there is no Justice League. We have to be the Justice League. We have to actually put ourselves out there and be the face of we're here to help you. While the Justice League themselves are so overwhelmed with the riots and everything going on around the world because it's adults causing chaos and... Being in the United States, like, you can 
you have a good idea of what riots go on like over here. Yeah, right. um, Especially these so, days. <laughs> so, um, and man, it was just, it was, it was crazy seeing that divide and the fear and like just the emotion, the emotional response of, I don't have my kids and like right. trying to raid star labs and the adults trying to figure out how to like maintain everything. It was, it was a really, really powerful episode on how much people had to step up in a time of chaos, whether it be the league or the team. They yeah. were they were very much equals in the scenario. Yeah, that's that's very true, and that's something we've kind of we a trajectory we've seen taking place over the course of the season. Um, even though you know, Aqualad, Robin, and Kid Flash, and chiefly Speedy or at that point in time he was speedy, now we know him as Red Arrow, they very much thought that they were ready to, to function as full members of the team. And we've slowly slowly seen the, the maturation of that, of them being considered equals to the Justice League. But I thought it was a really nice moment when they did have that broadcast to kind of reach out to all the kids and kind of calm them in the, in the wake of all this destruction and chaos, that it was, it was Robin, Aqualad, and Kid Flash that got to do that broadcast. And it was kind of nice to hearken back to this original founding trio for the team. Um, but I did want to rewind a little bit and go back to that moment um, with Zatanna because the way they played that moment I thought was really interesting. It's like she says she wishes that he would give him some space. And the way he like disappears right then and there, on a first watch, you're, you can serious, could seriously believe that she did something. We already know that she's a powerful magician-type character. So um, it, it is, it's, it's played very interestingly there, and... It's the fact that I think this is the first time we've seen her since her first uh, foray with the team with the the red siblings, correct? Yeah, that seems accurate. Because uh, Zatanna, or Zatara, I should say, basically felt like they kidnapped her, which is part of the reason yeah. he holds so much so much of a grudge against them. But um, I did like like the way that uh, you basically got to see both scenes from completely different perspectives, you know. We're following two characters chiefly through this episode, that being Zatanna. It's kind of her emotional journey. Um, you know, it's kind of her, her relationship with her father, you know, coming to terms with the fact that his protectiveness is just a, a love for her and, and he ends up making a, a pretty big sacrifice for her. But then on the other side of the coin, we do have the character of Captain Marvel, um, which... <laughs> I, I really love the way everything came full circle here because they planted so many seeds, especially in like uh, we'll we'll talk about it more. But in the Halloween episode, he was so disappointed <laughs> that he didn't get to be um, a part of the party. Um, but really nice to see uh, Billy Batson, uh, you know, function outside of his his Captain Marvel role and actually use his wits, the things that made him worthy of the mantle of, you know, the wisdom of Solomon and the speed of Mercury and, and whatnot. It's nice to see him use his wits. And then, you know, both the league and the team acknowledge the value that he has in, in both realms. Yeah. Like one of the things about that we love about the Marvel cinematic universe is just kind of like nothing's ever put there by accident. Mm. And you, we talked about on the last episode, just how much Shazam was like slowly become like he was getting because now that we know for a fact that he's a 10 year old you see why he connects with the team so well compared to the league he's learned a lot from the league um but him working with the team has been such a huge factor because he can emotionally Billy Batson can relate to them mm. as much as Shazam can 
so it those episodes for him to be the den mother for a little bit and build that relationship with them was a very crucial sense because he was the only one that was able to bounce between both worlds and you see how much um what impresses me is how much they're able to keep secrets like they've pretty much confirmed that nobody except for kf knows even batman's identity right right robin is still a secret like barely anybody knows who he is um even within the team they just call him robin and he always has his shades on when he's off duty per se he wears his Um, sunglasses at night but a lot of people didn't know who billy batson was and when he just popped up in the middle of the layer they were just like who are you and it's like read my mind yeah and you see this 10 year old have so much training that he was kind of like, oh, wait, what's the solution right now? Like, how do I deal with this before they start kicking my ass? It's like, read my mind. Oh, do I have to, like, bring you, like, cheese plates or whatever just to uh, appeal to you, KF? And it's right. like, oh, you actually are. It's like, well, this is a big secret, but it's like we don't have time to go into the logistics of it because there is a very big international crisis going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, those are those are all great points. And um, I love the insight that you have about uh, – uh, Captain Marvel, Billy Batson kind of playing that he really is, you know, essential to the team and to the Justice League, almost acting as that liaison. He really can relate to them on both a an emotional and a, a, a like a friendship level. Um, but a, a couple other things that stood out to me in this episode, there was uh, some di- uh, some dialogue that I really appreciated regarding the, um, the helmet of Dr. Fate. Um, it's been really cool, the the way they've worked in the character of Dr. Fate, because he was a character that I was uh, not super, super familiar with. I knew who he was. I, and I think I mentioned before my, my main um, exposure to him was through the injustice games, but it's been really, really cool to get that, uh, that context and that backstory about how, you know, the, the helmet actually works and that it, it's, it's, uh, there's more, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? There's more weight than there are to a lot of other heroes, you know, heroes usually have some kind of sacrifice that their powers come to, but this one is much more, um, tangible in the fact that the person that puts on the helmet, they're basically gone. They have to give up their body for this, this otherworldly, um, force Mm -hmm. to, to inhibit, to, uh, inhabit, I should say. Um, but anyway, the line of dialogue is we get it from two different characters. Basically we get both kid flash and Aqualad, the two people we've seen wear the helmet so far, uh, Kid Flash is like, how desperate are we? And Aqualad goes into this like almost like three minute uh, uh, paragraph of exposition where he basically describes what I just what I just said, what the helmet does, and he's like, okay, uh, if if we put it on, we're basically saying goodbye to somebody. And then so yeah, Kid Flash is like, okay, not that desperate. And then just a few minutes later, we get both. Uh, is it? It's Batman and Zatara, I believe, that are right in Correct. front of the helmet as well, and they decide the same thing. It's like, how desperate are we? Uh, not that desperate. So, um, the other thing that stu- stood out to me on the first time I, I watched it, I didn't pick up on it, but on a rewatch, it, it was solidified for me, and it, it it was kind of obvious. But we actually saw Sportsmaster um, uncostumed with the right okay. with the adults. <laughs> I was trying not to say that because I wasn't sure if you like caught onto it on the viewing. So I was like, I'm, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my mouth shut in case. But yeah, I'm glad you yeah. picked up on that. Because yeah. uh, one of the things that I noted, too, was, like, you you take a kid away from somebody's parents and, like, all hell will break loose. So, like, all these adults were, like, out in the streets. They were, like, who do we blame right now? 
and you see this like passionate dialogue of Scarlabs has to do something with this. It's always their fault. And like, then you find out that it's him like leading on this riot because he like walks away and has a smile and makes the opening for him to make his robbery. Right. Uh, like I said, I think I've probably watched the season like five or six times, but something I noticed for the first time today or mm-hmm. as I watched this was the scientist who was talking to the crowd. Do you think that was Dr. Stone? Ooh. Victor Stone's dad. Ooh, you know, I I have to go back and rewatch now. It has it's not something I had considered, but you know, given his his deep connections to Star Labs, and you've you've already said nothing. There's no small detail in this show. It's yeah, I. You would know better than I would, but I I think that's definitely a uh, a thread that if if it's not, hopefully when we get season four down the road, or maybe I'll find out in season two or three. That would be pretty cool if that was. That was a thread that they planted that early on. Yeah, because like I said, it's they've been doing such a good job of, like in in like certain like high school scenes, like showing heroes that will show up later, or when there's like the international things. Like we've seen Guy Gardner come up in one scene just to help out. Uh, we've seen Icon and mm-hmm. um, someone whose character I miss, uh, who's escaping my head at the moment. Oh, uh, it's Icon the girl and, who like, uh, makes like the bubbles and stuff. I think it's like yeah. his daughter. Rocket, Rocket. Yes, yeah. thank you. Okay, cool. So it's like you see these like subtle little nods, and then when I looked at that one, I'm just like, Star Labs. Uh, not to stereotype, but there's a black <laughs> doctor in a lab suit talking to everybody. Oh, maybe that is him. Could be, yeah. That, that little thing was just like, huh? I've watched this so many times, and I'm just not picking up on that. Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see if Silas Stone makes his debut in uh, in season four. But it, if you Silas called it now, I'm going to be impressed. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing, um, other than I guess I'll, I'll take this opportunity. Uh, in addition to getting uh, Doctor Fate back in this episode, we also got Clary and the Witch Boy back. And yeah. uh, I'll admit, in his first appearance, I didn't know how to take the voice actor. I, he was obviously talented, but it was it's it's a it's a very unique performance. But uh, I definitely appreciated it more in this episode. He's he's got a very unique voice that does a good job of uh, balancing the the wickedness of the character, but also the childlike nature. The, the character oh, yeah. is having a blast. And what he's doing, and I, I liked even when he gets foiled at the end. Um, he's like, oh, well, it was fun while it lasted." Yeah, right. <laughs> and the way he talks to his cat and everything too. He's like, "Come here." Yeah, Diggle, I think is his name. Come on, Diggle. <laughs> uh, but the parallel to um, Infinity War with the snap we made, I couldn't help but make another parallel because uh, in Infinity War we saw the the antagonist or. You could argue that Thanos is the protagonist, but that's a that's an entirely different conversation. Uh, ends up being successful in his scheme. We see the heroes actually fail, and in the stinger of this episode, we find out that Clarion was ultimately successful. He was just there to to provide a distraction. And that little scene that we got with Sportsmaster, which you know, in the context of just the episode, might have seen seemed somewhat insignificant, actually seems like it, it has some pretty lasting through lines in terms of this whole overarching villain we have in the light, which, uh, in all honesty, it's, it, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity again to, 
correct me if I'm wrong here about why you decided to chop up the episodes the way you did, but I have to imagine part of the reason you did uh, these particular episodes is we kind of see the light take a little bit of a back seat mm-hmm. in, these per- in these particular episodes. Would you agree? Yeah, because at this point, the Injustice League is what was in the spotlight. Mm. With their chaos, everybody was very focused on them, what they're doing in prison, making sure that they're checked so that the light can start operating in the background again. Right. And they, Batman's pointed out, like, yeah, like you see that the Injustice League still has allies like Sportsmaster who are still, like, up to something, but we don't know what. But they think it's the Injustice League and their allies and not so much looking at who the light actually are. Right, right. And in in that case, they were successful in using the Injustice League as a scapegoat. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess the only other thing I really have for the this particular episode is a question. Uh, what was the Souvenir Kid Flash got in this episode? I, I didn't recognize it. It looked like a vessel of some kind, almost like a perfume bottle. Did, did you know what that was? It was like a blue and yellow vessel of some type with a a button on the top. In the misplaced episode? Yes. Oh, it must be the, the sippy cup. Yep. It was given to Wally by a toddler he rescued. He used it to replace the helmet of fate. Okay, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Weird looking sippy cup, I will say. <laughs> yeah, because he was... Man, they did such a good job like playing with the kids like in the gymnasium. It was so cute, like, Artemis was singing the lullabies, and then she forgot the words, so she mixed it up, and then they were like, that's not that song, and they kept bringing it in, and... I'm Man, so was... I'm so glad you bring that up, because while it was played as a moment for laughs and cuteness, I couldn't help but, like, think, like, Artemis didn't have a childhood. Why doesn't she know the lyrics, to, like, the words to such a simple, like, yeah. song, and there was, like, a, a moment of sadness, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, that's what's, yeah, that's what's so great about the show, it's... No, no moment is without its nuance. So multiple, multiple things are being broadcast with with every second of screen time. It's it's really well done. Everything shows its emotional backlash. And that being said, like you see the team and what little faction of the Justice League were fighting, they were struggling with their villains a lot. I mean, Zatara just fucking lightning bolting everybody was so badass. I was like, man, this dude is powerful. But uh, the Witch Boy was definitely stronger than his allies. And um, they were definitely... The team was having a very difficult time going up against him. Mm. And you see Zatanna herself hasn't seen the ramifications of the helmet. So when she was like, that's all I need to know. And just puts it on just so confidently. Like everyone else is freaking out. But she's like, I helped you guys out. Right. And then even at that point, because um, Nobu is so old, but Zatanna is so old, like he wasn't at full capacity, so they were they were still struggling. And well, yeah, it was that, and the fact that the helmet was divided between two dimensions as well. I believe Clarion said, "You know, you're you're unstable." So yeah, this that's why it was splitting because gonna... of the age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. It man so. When they finally, like, MVP to Shazam for, like, diving in, grabbing the stone, and then switching over to the other world. Like, that was really impressive. Like, the way they were able to communicate with each other through him was amazing. Mm. Um, 
but then Zatara having to make the deal with Dr. Fate because Dr. Fate's just fed up. And again, I think he's very egotistical in thinking that just because he's around, that means there aren't going to be any, like, magic issues. Because that's his whole thing. It's like, look at how much magic stuff happens when I'm not here to intervene. And it's like, all right, buddy, get your head, get your helmet out of your ass. <laughs> um, but, man, the 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 trauma of Zatara just really wanting his daughter to be safe and him looking straight at Batman and he was like like promise me you'll take care of my kid and she was like I like I swear to you so like oh man just everything about that and she takes the helmet off and she's like so happy to see your dad and that they won and it was just like always loved you and it's just gone and Zatanna just loses her shit at that point has to move in with the team I guess she's officially part of the team at this point and the part that that hit me hardest is through this episode before Dick Grayson just had a crush on her right you can see how much he actually cares about her like it's more than just a crush at this point Mm -hmm. and we're assuming that Zatanna doesn't have a mom which is why she moved in with the team so quick. Right. And Robin being the last one in the room and her saying like, Hey, I want to be alone for a little bit so she can cry. And like when she, when, when Dick Grayson walks out and looks back, that's when you remember he's been an orphan since he was nine. He's watched his parents get killed at Haley mm-hmm. surface, uh, wow. Haley circus, excuse me. And, like Robin just understands that trauma all too well, and like he, you see it in that even with the sunglasses on, it's like he wants to help because he understands, but it's like just just gotta let her ride it through it. It's just dude, man, like talking about it is like doing something to me right now. It's just it's such a powerful scene. Uh, it it really is, and uh, even even the moment before that when uh, Zatanna does make the the sacrifice, you know, to become the new Doctor Fate. To save, uh, oh, see, I, I keep I keep switching Zatanna and Z- Zatara. It's very <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's just one letter. Um, Papa Z. Yeah, Papa Z. But uh, I just kudos to you know the animators as well as the the voice actor and like it's it's everything working in unison to create such a poignant moment because it's a character that we we have really not spent that much screen time with but they are still able to pull off one of the most emotional moments of the entire season so far um, with me, you know, just the way they he's got those piercing green eyes and the way his expression just drops. And he's got, you can just see it in his eyes when he's, you know, he's saying goodbye to his daughter for the final time. And it's, it's not lost on me at all. The, the nature of his sacrifice and for a kid's well again. And again, that's, it's a kid's show, but the level of entertainment and the writing is 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 a high enough bar to entertain a a person like myself that's you know has been watching uh acclaimed television for a number of years now so yeah excellent it can moment. make a grown man cry but not <laughs> this man get back in there tear <laughs> you're seeing cloud with a chance of me pause but that line is always so relevant to moments like this uh, oh, okay like, i'm not crying i'm not crying i'm not crying get back in there I know uh, Lord and Miller. They did uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and uh, yeah, they're just they're great. They're great. Um, did you did you have any um, other major like characters you wanted to to highlight for uh, this particular episode, uh, Misplaced, or any other any other highlights? 
Uh, no, I think I'm good with this, but uh, talking about Zatanna and trauma and dealing with her family, I think this kind of goes into the episode before mm. um, where we have a Halloween episode of Zatanna and um, Artemis. Yes. Girls Night Out. Girls Night Out. Yes. Because, Ladies Night. Uh, so, yeah, we can uh, we can kind of shift gears to Artemis. What were your initial thoughts? Tell me what you thought about that opening scene uh, with... Um... Oh, is the opening scene where basically everybody's ready for the party, and, and uh, including Artemis and Zatanna, they both kind of enter at the same time. And I believe Artemis is a vampire, um, and Zatanna is a witch, which is pretty appropriate for her yeah. her power set. And right off the bat, she's just kind of like, uh, how, long, how long have uh, Connor and Megan been a thing? Yeah. And what what struck me is um is is kind of i won't say odd but it was a it was a good character reveal because we saw that moment on the first mission with Artemis with the team where she had a little bit of friction with McGann when she when she flirted with Superboy but mm-hmm. i just thought it was you know and and good fun and not too serious but she seemed genuinely upset yeah. by the fact that and i i don't know if that was because she was interested in Superboy or the fact that her team was keeping secrets and if it is the latter, that's a, a little hypocritical, but that is, that's that's kind of what's nice about this show. They are not fully matured characters. They are full of flaws um, and hypocrisy. It very well could be one for, for Artemis. But uh, I, I really like seeing um, Artemis and uh, Zatanna strike up this friendship. We were just kind of talking about the character Zatanna. She's already got a real nice rapport with Robin. Robin's been kind of a, a source of stability with her. But it's cool to see her have fun with a character like Artemis who... She hasn't even been on the team the entire time, but she's already like presented herself as a really fun and uh, sarcastic character, which which I love. Oh yeah, for sure. She like Zatanna seems to be the type to be like okay with getting out in trouble. She's like, well, it seems a little dangerous. How about we go do it? <laughs> and poor Shazam just wanting to spend oh, yeah. time with the youngins and whatnot, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's uh, I didn't realize the Justice League was having a party. It's like, oh no, I want to go with I want to go with you guys. <laughs> It's like, oh, you don't have to hold up with us. Like, have fun. We're going out tonight. It's like, oh, all right. Just be this 10-year-old by myself. Yeah. <laughs> He's so disappointed. Um, and it's just, it's so awkward, too, because Zatanna's like, oh, is uh, the Justice League having a party? My dad didn't yep. say anything about that. <laughs> um, and I, I guess at this point, too, we still have uh, Kid Flash being a little bit of a, a creeper around McGann. Uh so I guess after Artemis finds out about them being a couple, Kid Flash is the only one left in the dark at this point. So Yeah. But uh with with those three characters, uh it's a it's a more lighthearted affair for them. They go to this Halloween party at, at Happy uh at Happy Harbor, the high school that uh Connor and McGann attend and it's uh just you know, your kind of typical high school dance with the shenanigans and whatnot. There's a, a faux Martian invasion prank that goes on, and you get a really nice moment uh, where McGann gets to actually transform into the Warner Brothers Marvin the Martian, which the I, the uh, reference was not lost on me on the that the character, the student that was pulling the prank, his name was Marvin, and he was obsessed with Martians, <laughs> and he gets terrified by Marvin the Martian. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely cracked me up. 
Yeah, yeah. It's but yeah, like I w- as I was kind of alluding to, it's not really their episode. I mean, as much as they get into the Halloween shenanigans, and this is a Halloween episode, it's really Artemis and Zatanna's episode, I would say. And uh, they face off against a character that I was entirely unfamiliar with until watching this show. Yeah. Uh, which is Harm. Uh, did you know anything about Harm prior to watching the show? I can't imagine you did. Nope. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's he's pretty interesting and unique. I don't think he, or at, th- at this point in time, he has absolutely no connection to the light. So it's kind of interesting that he's a one-off villain in, in that regard. It's kind of unique for the series. But I guess his whole shtick is that he is uh, he's pure of heart. And it, that doesn't mean he's pure good. He's pure yeah. evil. And... Uh, yeah, he collects this uh, sort of Beowulf, and uh, the impression I got is that he has made sacrifices to become pure of heart and to become this this ultimate warrior. Uh, and I, I I guess I can't really remember how he ends up crossing paths with Artemis and Zatanna. They're just out on patrol, you know, stopping crimes here and there where it, he sees them and attacks them, right? Yeah, they were in uh, Manhattan... And they were trying to blow off some steam, so they were just trying to find yeah. the criminals and beat him up. And um, he was just kind of surveying, and it was like, oh, this is a challenge. But he makes the point to say, like, oh, you are the apprentices of Green Arrow and Zatara. I will f- I will kill you slowly so that I can learn about your mentors. It's like, So it's like now that he has the power of Beowulf's sword, he wants to test the full capability of it quick design thing that i want to uh, point out real quick before we go yeah. deeper into this i sure. like that um zatanna points out she's like oh boots look really great not good for running and like changes them so it's like yes. something as very little as like putting a heel to just wearing flats was really impressive yeah and because they're in manhattan in the end of october uh artemis isn't wearing her typical like revealing or like like, she's not showing skin on her outfit like she typically would. Like, it was more of, like, a hoodie armor compared to, like, what she typically wears. So they That's are actually, true. like, adjusting their outfits and uniforms depending on where they're at and what they're doing. Just so much that's, attention to detail i love that's this. yeah that's an excellent catch i hadn't really picked up on that detail but yeah uh artemis i know typically her outfit shows a lot more of her midriff so yeah uh so yeah it seemed like um harm just wanted to he was just power hungry and wanted to take on the justice league and he was just kind of working his way up the ladder yeah, I got. Uh, I don't know what your your level of familiarity with like the video game series Devil May Cry is, but I got like Mm-mm. okay, it's uh just it's kind of like um you know hyper action, kind of like taking vampires that Castlevania feel and just amping up the action. But I, it definitely got Dante vibes. Or um, there's also a film series called Highlander where it's like there can only be one. It's all about being the ultimate warrior, and basically you have to yeah. kill the previous one and inherit his power. I, I definitely got vibes like that from this character. And, you know, he was referring to himself as, um, in third person the entire time. So he, he, I was like wondering like, what is this guy's name? Is it harm? And then, uh, <laughs> Artemis had that great line. We get it. Your name's harm. And then <laughs> later on, she calls <laughs> him harmster. So <laughs> uh, loves Atana so much. <laughs> um, but I, the, the episode is called Secrets, and uh, he's got a secret of his own, which actually like manifests in 
a physical or I'll just say physical form for now in this character secret and that's the only word she can utter she acts as a bit of a guide to Artemis and uh, Zatanna as they're battling uh, harm and they she eventually leads them to his his house the place of his origin and basically his uh, his ultimate undoing is the fact that he is not pure of heart his secret is is that he killed his sister. That was his sacrifice. He killed his, his sister with uh, Beowulf's dagger, I believe. And he was proud of it. Right, right. But even though he was proud of it, he... I guess he did have some remorse somewhere within him because... That, Very that, deep in his subconscious. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the impurity that she was able to basically pull from him. Uh, but really great moment for Zatanna because uh, when he sees... Uh, secret. He's like, oh, another one of your, another one of its illusions. And she's like, no, I didn't open my mouth. And you're like, and it didn't you know, open its mouth. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you know, it can't cast an illusion unless it opens its mouth. <laughs> yeah. So. When you're at Walt Disney World Resort for the world's most magical celebration, every moment is amazing and the memories last a lifetime. Because when you celebrate with us, nothing could be more magical. Stay near the magic. Book your theme park tickets and get hotel rates from $94 per night plus tax at DisneySpringsHotels.com slash 50. Rates based on availability. Blockout dates may apply. See website for details. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. What a sass machine. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was a, a solid episode. I really liked uh, being introduced to a character that I knew nothing about. It uh, encouraged me to do a little bit of research, and I guess... Um, it's it's fitting that they included this character in Young Justice because, as I did my research, he is a character that is uh, tied to the Young Justice comic series. He debuted in uh, Young Justice number four, which debuted in 1999. And it's not a completely accurate um, translation of the character, but they, they get the gist of him there. So Interesting. Yeah, I encourage you, if, if you have any interest, if you've watched the show and, and you thought Harm was an interesting character and want to learn a little bit more about him, and you're into the comics, uh, check out, you know, that Young Justice from the late 90s. Definitely uh, must have had a pretty strong influence on this show. Oh. So yeah, kind of uh, reiterated the fact that Artemis kind of has secrets and family trauma of her own, and um, again, it just does such a good job of dealing with mental and emotional issues because Atana's like, dude, you need to talk to somebody. You can't just be beating the shit out of people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just changing gears a little bit, uh, one thing I did want to highlight, we talked a little bit uh, about the mole conversation that took place, and that actually was at the beginning of this episode. Uh, with the character of Artemis, we do get the reveal that Red Arrow basically just comes out and says, hey, she." he tells Batman, Aqualad, um, and Robin that she is not Green Arrow's niece, which comes as a surprise to Aqualad, but that's when we find out that Robin, I, I don't know if he figured it out on his own or if he already knew, but he's about to just come out and say, yeah, she's related to, and then Batman cuts him off. I don't know if she was going to say that she was related to Cheshire, because we already know that, or if there's going to be a bigger reveal down the road that she's related to uh, an, another, perhaps more significant character, but 
uh, definitely definitely ties back into the fact that Artemis is harboring some some secrets. For sure. <laughs> and that's all you can say about that. I I take it. Yeah. How can I change the topic now? Uh... <laughs> Uh, no, no problem at all. Oh, okay. I guess this is a, a good moment to highlight here, and hopefully this isn't ruining anything. This is just me knowing a little bit more about the character of Aqualad um, from my exposure in the comics. I know that the character of Aqualad um, is related to Black Manta, so I, I thought it was interesting that he is the one that initially found out about the mole um, from Sportsmaster, so it could be a, a tainted source there. But he's the one that comes up and says, uh, because there, there's cast, there's doubt cast about uh, Miss Martian and Superboy both. Superboy could could be the mole and not even know it. Uh, who knows what Cadmus did to him? But it is it is Aqualad that comes up and says, "Hey, no, I have fought with every single one of these pr- people. Um, I'm convinced there's not a mole. I I wonder how that that's going to come back and pay off. If it'll bite him, if he if his familial ties to." A uh, a villain like Black Manta is gonna gonna be something, but uh, I don't know if that's something you can divulge or not. If not, we'll just move on. <laughs> I take it we need to move on. <laughs> yeah, for those who can't see the video, like I'm just covering my face right now. But you did mention. Uh, wow, let me find a way to steer this <laughs> car real quick. Um, you mentioned how how Aqualot said. Uh, God damn, I wish I'm watching this for the first time. You mentioned how Aqualad was basically pointing out how each person could be the mole. Mm. And they said, oh, um, Martian Manhunter has like hundreds of nieces and nephews, didn't even know that this one existed till about six months ago. And she, yep. she stowed away on his ship when he was coming back from Mars. Right. And then we learn her huge secret of actually being a white martian yep how did you respond to that it was uh it was an interesting reveal for me because i had watched um the first couple seasons of supergirl so Mm. i know that was an element of the show there but damn i wasn't hey i still wasn't super uh familiar with the character from the comics so i didn't know if that was just something they did for that particular series so uh yeah I, I really had no idea that she was a white Martian. I know there was... Uh, I can't remember what episode there was mention. Oh, yeah, it was when she had her therapy session with Black yep. Mary. She was like, oh, you're white. And she's like, what? Uh, she kind of freaks out. But uh, what I really did like about that that whole reveal, um, the fact that she's a white Martian and she's covering up her identity on so many different levels, it kind of gave new context to um, one of the... I won't say complaints I lodged, but just a... I guess a, I guess criticism is fair. Uh, I'm, as much as I liked her character, I thought it was a little. Uh, I guess I felt a little dated in the fact that she was a otherworldly character that felt like she couldn't be herself and like had to change her name and her appearance to fit in. Yeah, man, I was so off base. Like that makes so much more sense. The balancing act that she's doing, she is constantly, constantly trying to hide who she is. And yeah, it's it yeah it's it it gives so much more uh, context to her character. She is going through such a battle every day, and oh man, she's she's so cheerful and optimistic to be to be carrying that. It's it's just a testament to uh, 
to her her will. Um, what, what were you gonna yeah, say? You, you touching on that a couple of episodes was another moment where I just had to cover my face. It's like, yep, share your opinion. I've got nothing to say about this, and it's like, it's how do you feel off. now, buddy? It's gonna pay off. <laughs> Match, and it's one of those things of like, uh, don't meet your idols either, because she sees the star of the of the sitcom. And, like, yeah, she's grateful for the fact that, you know, she's someone that's helpful, but it's, like, she just really wants to know, like, about the show and about this and about that and what Megan was actually like. And it was just kind of like, dude, I'm just, I'm busy helping people now. Like, are you here to help me or are we just, are you just in my way right now? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's when Miss Martian just kind of had to go, like, yeah, like, that's just, I, I gotta be a hero. I gotta, I gotta work on my stuff and help my team and, and it, from my understanding, like, there was basically a whole genocide thing on Mars of the white Martians killing off the green ones, right? It was like a whole, like, Mars Civil War type thing. Correct, yeah. Uh, from my understanding, uh, John Jones, Marvin, or Martian Manhunter, when he debuted initially, he was supposed to be the last surviving member mm-hmm. of Mars, having, you know, the rest of his species wiped out by the white Martians. So, uh, and it's... It was kind of hard to tell uh, what continuity is taking place within this particular episode because when she has that battle um, in the mind space, we see the return of Simon, yeah, who's, who seems to be you know her her nemesis in terms of like psychic battles at least in this season so far. He transports her back to to Mars, and we, and I guess through the dialogue we find out this is basically her worst fear. It's her being a white Martian on Mars, completely isolated, and it's like. She was, uh, what's the word? Banished? Yeah, banished to Mars. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like there's any other inhabitants there. So I, I think you're correct there. It seems like uh, both McGann and John are the last of their species. But I I got to wonder, what does John does John Jones as Marvin, Marvin, eh, Marvin, Marvin Manhunter? <laughs> does, uh, does Martian Manhunter know that McGann is a white Martian? Because... He's he's obviously a strong telepath and psychic in his own right, but she maybe she's more powerful than him and able to to hide that from him. I don't I don't know. With her not knowing how powerful she was, I could see Jean actually knowing that, but I honestly can't remember if he does know or not. Hmm. Um, I feel like he does. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but but tapping in and like knowing how much respect she has for the team and what they think of her and how much she like genuinely loves Superboy and like the fear of losing him was just kind of like, Oh, poor girl. Yeah. That was a particularly harsh moment. You, you kind of see everyone's reactions, uh, to her. The team is kind of like, you know, you lied to us. Batman's like, I, I don't think we can trust you anymore. And then Superboy is the absolute worst. He's like, love you. I can't even look at you. It's like, oh yeah. god, that's harsh. And you know she's got the yeah, she's got the mental capacity of a teenage girl. So I I won't pretend to have ever existed in that headspace, but you know, you, yeah. you got to know anybody that's a, a teenage person that has uh, image issues of any kind, identity issues of any kind, to get rejected mm-hmm. like that is a pretty terrible blow. Uh, but as 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 great an episode this was in terms of giving context to where she is mentally uh one of my big takeaways is that the resolution is not a very healthy one 
she's basically going at it with Simon and things are getting worse and worse. And then she gets enraged and he's like, uh, hold on now. Let's not do anything. Uh, you don't want to do there. And she's like, you don't know me at all. And basically tears a psychic hole through his chest. And the next time we see him, he looks like he's been rendered completely stupefied. Uh, yeah, he got fucked up. Yeah, yeah. But then she's back with the team, and then you think you're going to get that nice, um, healthy resolution there. When and because they're like, "What do you actually look like?" And she ends up like revealing herself to look something like John, and we know that yeah. is not what she actually looks like. So the lie continues and actually opens her up to potential blackmail from Queen B, who reveals herself at the end of the episode there. Bald Megan, still hot. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that she she brain blasted her whole team. Oh yeah, great point. And said that it was Simon. Yep. Total lie. I mean, I guess the only pro for her out of this is she has an adopted little brother now. <laughs> In Garfield, because remember they said they're like she had to do the blood transfusion and like matches DNA. Correct. Yeah. Um. Did you notice that his eyes turned from sky blue into the same green eyes? McGann had at the end of the episode after the transfusion i did notice that his eyes were green at the end but i did not pick up on the fact that they were blue beforehand so that's yeah that's yeah awesome. him and his mom had like the exact same like blue eyes in a couple scenes and at the end they got really close up to his face like let's see who notices the green eyes and i was like ooh, yeah 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 just kind of going back to her basing her whole like shtick personality and and appearance on this this sitcom from i got i got like er, late 80s early 90s vibes from it wandavision before it was cool exactly exactly even with like the theme song and stuff like that (laughs) hello megan hello megan It, it it just it improves the other parts of the show that even i already liked but it was just kind of like every now and then when she did the hello megan thing it made me roll my eyes a little bit i was like all right a character's got a catchphrase it's it's a part of a cartoon but now it's like no that was (laughs) yeah (laughs) every time she says hello megan it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like connor's facial expression when um when the boyfriend came up in the show and it was just hilarious just like excuse me yep. and that character's like i know that's not even you but back off and that character's name was connor <laughs> he was not yep. happy uh well speaking of connor too oh. he had a uh... oh god sorry i we didn't even mention that this was robin's first time leading a mission aqualad wasn't even around for correct. it correct correct yeah he was not happy with the fact no he's he seemed increasingly disappointed um Number one, I don't know if he was disappointed with the unceremonious nature of him being revealed as team leader, or maybe he just didn't want to lead the team because I the last the last like major character beat we got with him I feel like was in his therapy session with Black Canary where we got the reveal that he does not want to be the Batman. Yeah. So I'm just kind of I can't when I see those those expressions on his face. I'm just thinking, yeah, it's it's inner turmoil. He's he's questioning, do I even want to lead a team? Do I want to follow the same trajectory as Batman? I don't know. What was what was your takeaway? Uh, my understanding was there's been a couple of episodes where, like, especially with the whole mole thing and Aqualad steps up and they kind of, like, reaffirm him being leader, I feel like he has the maturity to feel like he still has work to do. 
So when he was put on the spot of, hey, this is your time, I think he had the sense of, like, I'm not ready for this. Oh, okay. With with all the Justice League level stuff that we've done, I'm I'm not ready for this responsibility of such a sensitive mission. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of things go wrong with needing to intervene because Garfield and Megan were in trouble, um, to the shed being attacked by the drone, and like Megan was pissed at Dick because um, of everything that happened. He was like, "Yeah, there's casualties and stuff like this." Like he was not empathetic. I mean, he, he wasn't. He wasn't because they didn't even really need to touch down there in the first place. I think he sensed how personal it was to her because, I, if I recall correctly, he said we're way off base here. Like we shouldn't even interfere. Yeah. If we interfere right now and like alert our presence to the Bialians, it's only going to make things worse from here on out. It, it it basically does. It'll be an international incident. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like he understood what they were going through, but he was like he didn't enjoy being responsible for it he was like we weren't even supposed to do this we weren't supposed to be here mm. like i hate the turn that this has taken and he was just so ready for aqualot to come back yeah yeah it, it was it was interesting i i'll have to uh i'll be curious to see what what trajectory robin's on right now because it's like i said i i i really don't know at this point it's conflicted he's definitely being portrayed as conflicted so uh, the last two things I want to say about this episode, and then we can move over to Kid Flash, sure. is um, I like when when Bruce Wayne was speaking with the leader of Karak. Yes, Karak. Um, Kid Flash have, was have like Jardy, I believe it was something. Uh, Karak was the one that was like. Oh no! Um, no I, I remember the country. I was trying to. I, I was trying to think of the president's name because I remember it. it Oh, this, gotcha, gotcha. this is gonna sound super dumb, but it, it sounded a lot like Havarti cheese, and Havarti cheese is my favorite cheese. So, oh, nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you were, when, you were um, saying <laughs> when when Bruce Wayne showed up, and Kid Flash was like, "Oh, how convenient!" Bruce Wayne got here really quick, and Dick Grayson like elbowed him. So again, it emphasizes what's a secret and what isn't, like. They've been friends enough to know Bruce Wayne as Batman, but that is not common knowledge at all. Right, right, right. I, I don't even know how many people in the league probably know that he's Bruce Wayne, but his his Lex Luthor level of involvement in politics as a mediator was pretty interesting. And I totally forgot the opener of this episode was when um, Canary and Superboy were training together, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they start making out, and <laughs> Ollie and Canary got so mad at each other uh it turns out that it ended up being megan and um you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole plan your journey at visit mississippi.org slash outdoor adventure mississippi wanderers welcome i i made the note that it must be so there's this there's this concept i go by called the the thousand eyes okay where it's like you're yourself, but you have like other personalities within yourself. Okay. So at this point, for Diana to be Diana and Oliver's oh, Dinah. girlfriend Dinah. or wife, Dinah, yeah, sorry. You're good. Um, for her to be like that version of herself and then being the hero and then having to flip the switch and being mentor. Like you see her frustrated on the other side of the surveillance. Oh, yeah. But then when she approaches, um, Megan, she's she's more calm. She's back to like her um, 
her shrink self and just kind of like explaining the situation and this and that. I'm just kind of like, dude, good on you. You are very patient. Yeah, uh, you, it's it's another one of those examples where we nece- we haven't necessarily gotten the most screen time with either character, but they do a great job capitalizing on that screen time because uh, as upset as Ollie is, he doesn't miss the opportunity to, to turn it into a, a joke and kind of poke at uh, Dinah as well and, and get a rise out of her. But yeah, yeah. You, you did mention you know Diana is acts with complete and total grace and dignity. Uh, she addresses the issue head on, tells her why um, it's not acceptable on Earth, and is like, "I'm I'm not upset anymore. I was upset. It's important that you know that I was upset, but I'm not currently like harboring that against you." Um, yeah. The last little thing I will I will say about this episode is uh, we we've talked previously about the depiction of the action and the violence, how it's 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 been effective but never too gratuitous. I was a little surprised. Mm-hmm. I wasn't offended, but I was a little surprised at the how much they showed of uh, Gar, you know, his blood on the ground. Like, at first I was like, is that is that blood? And then I was like, sure enough, you saw yeah. the trail of blood leading all the way to the hospital bed he was on, and then he had the trail of blood, you know, streaming from his nose. I was like, you know, I, I could see a, a younger younger watcher being a little upset about seeing something like that happen to such, such a young character. But yeah. yeah, he pulled out in the end, so it's all, he pulled through in the end, I should say. Trying not to go there. <laughs> pulled it out, pulled through, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I believe uh, this is a, a good point to move on to a character that we really haven't got to highlight too much. So it's pretty nice that he got uh, an episode in his own right. And it was even his birthday episode. Good old Kid Flash Wally West celebrating his birthday in an episode called Cold Hearted, episode 20. The significant thing about this episode, I think I made mention of it earlier, um, as we've seen the team, you know, grow in their ability and their talent and their stature um, and get closer to the league. This is the first time they actually get to uh, work with the, t- the league in a, a side-by-side mission. Uh, we've got, I believe it was five, they call them ice fortresses, which are basically mm-hmm. dispelling snow ac- across the United States and creating a, a big blizzard and a hell of a situation for the league and the team. But uh, with Wally being the, the focal point here, it's he kind of plays... He's we're, He kind of acts as the, um, the vehicle for the audience because it's like, as excited as we are to see the team and, and the league interact, it's like, oh, no, you got to go do this other thing. We'll, make, we'll give you little snippets here and there, but you have to watch it from the side. And it's like, we kind of have to do the same thing because we're with Wally on this other mission to deliver this heart to this young girl. What were your, what were your initial impressions on the episode? And what'd you, what'd you think about the, uh, the journey kid flash went on this episode? Did you think it, it did him justice given his, uh, his somewhat limited, um, character arc over the rest of the episodes? Oh yeah. Um, for episodes that we're not covering on this arc yet. You can see like a huge jump in maturity after having to deal with something like that. Um, one of the things that I was really fascinated by is was when they were doing the cutscenes to what the league was doing against the fortresses on this team up, you saw Batman working with Robin mm. and you saw that uh, what they mentioned in the past was like, they don't need to communicate. They just work together. 
Yeah. And Aquaman and Aqualad was the same thing. Like, Aquaman was actually, like, shocked for a second when Aqualad jumped over his shoulder and, like, started making his moves. And then Flash stepped in and did his thing. And I was like, man, this is so cool how they're working with their mentors. And Kid Flash even pointed out, he was like, oh, man, everyone's working with their mentors. Like... What do you think's missing in this picture? Did you want to ask something? I just—I was going to say that moment with Aqualad and Aquaman. I could not help but think of that shield moment from uh, Wonder Woman that was, you know, done on Themyscira with the Amazonians, and then again uh, they oh, recreated yeah. with with uh, Steve and Diana in the uh, the German, or I guess it was the French town. But anyway, continue. Young Justice did it first. Yeah, we, I'm finding that they did it many times first. Yeah. See, everyone's watching this show and just stealing <laughs> ideas because nobody ever watched it on Cartoon Network. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, he was so up. like, he started off his day, like, so strong of, like, getting his breakfast and school being closed and Iris saying his name on the news yeah. uh, to, fi- to finally everyone knowing that Connor and Megan are in a relationship because Artemis had the, the pure joy of, oh, like, breaking it to she him. She absolutely relished being the one to break it to him. <laughs> Oh yeah, she was like, "Please let me do it." <laughs> and then, um, which is kind of funny because I like I felt there was a budding romance between them. You know, um, that episode in the Bialian Desert before when they all lost their memories, they had a natural chemistry and, and struck up a, a kinship there. So it's kind of funny to see them. It's it's not to get weird about it or anything like that, but it is almost like a brother and sister picking at picking at each other in that regard too. But mm-hmm. even though I, I felt there were some romantic um possibilities there they really haven't been capitalized too much here lately so yeah this was also uh, um like it was it was a really big deal for him having to miss out on this first joint mission and him making the point is like whose heart do we need to transplant batman just ever so sternly his one-liner doesn't matter it's like okay sorry batman it's not but it turns out to be the 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 queen of a whole country a 10-year-old queen, and it's a very important thing. Uh, you see the introduction of Vandal Savage, mm. and he has to run from Boston to Seattle within, was it 12 hours? Uh, I want to say no, it wasn't that three long. hours, or maybe four hours. A few hours. <laughs> um, and I like that they put so much emphasis on how many uh, calories the running burns. Like, he has to keep a stash of snacks with him, and he's asking for pizza, and he's being goofy, but it's like, no, I actually need food. Like, someone feed me right now. Um, Vandal Savage steps in. You see how he's, like, hand-to-hand combat badass, and um, not going to say too much on him because I'm scared I'm going to slip up on something. Oh, Okay. Um, so Kid Flash had to have like a little encounter with him. And then again, the emotional trauma of him getting there and someone telling him you're too late. You didn't make it here in time. And he was like fucked up from that. He was like, I fought him for 15 minutes. She died 12 minutes ago. I could have actually made it for this. And then to find out that he was being, it was all the ruse. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a lot, a lot, a lot of, like, I know it was his birthday, too, but after his birthday, he has had so much character development, so much more maturity, and so much more respect for the mission, and actually being, like, I don't know whose life is ever on the line, and I just saved a whole country today, so I need to be, like, laser-focused from here on out. That's very true. Um one thing that stood out to me um, from the episode, I know you you do some running, um, but I, I really liked how when he was running and he was uh, you know out of out of snacks and whatnot, how we got that everything 
it was the soliloquy, the monologue inside of his head. And he's like, don't worry about the cold. Don't worry about that. Just keep pushing because I don't know about you, but whenever, yeah. whenever I've run or something like that, it really is like you have to get into that headspace where it's just like you're really, mm-hmm. you're almost like coaching yourself. It's just like block everything else out. Just keep pushing forward. Just focus on that sole thing. Um, so, you know, given the, the fact that the character, his, his power is essentially running, it was cool to, to get that headspace from him. But um, yeah. Yeah, you can't focus on how much your knee hurts. You can't focus on starting to drizzle or how thirsty you are. It's like, no, I need to hit this distance by this time and I got to keep moving. And it's so easy to take these people's powers for granted because we're, you know, we see them, especially in a cartoon, they don't have to work with the the budget restraints. We get to see uh, full power sets, you know, on display somewhat regularly, but... Mm-hmm. There's still and and the show like I said it does a great job with the action with the punches it feels like every punch hits like you feel the pain that characters uh, are are taking in when they when they land and whatnot but you know just just having that that realism and and taking that into account the fact that you know him making it there in time requires you know elements just outside of you know his own his own fuel he has to have an outside fuel source. Uh, one thing I wanted to note on really quickly is like we got the little snippets of the team fighting side by side. Um, we get the polar stealth outfits, which were a nice change up. As much as I like the stealth outfits, a lot of the times they were just like press a button and everything just changes to a, a gray color scheme. And this one we see some real deviations in the design because they obviously have to be protected from the the elements. So Robbins in particular stood out to me with he's got the the cow that kind of goes over his whole entire head mm-hmm. and neck. Very reminiscent of the character of Red Wing, who I know in the comics is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's pr- traditionally, uh, that's a Tim Drake Robin uh, evolution. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was just Red Robin. I didn't know his name was Red Wing. Oh, no, you were right. I, it is Red Robin. I, I'm, I'm misspeaking. There's, you know, Red Wing, Red Robin. There's Night Wing. There's, I don't really have an excuse. All the wings. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> um, Red Wing is a uh, Marvel character. Oh, okay, that's right. Remember Falcon's little drone? That's that's right. Yeah, that's what it is. it's also a hockey team, the Red Wings. But uh, I digress. <sighs> Another thing uh, with uh, you know Count Vertigo being the uncle of this this queen uh, in this fictional country of, of Lat- Lat- Latva, I believe it is. Uh, we find out that basically the reason that he didn't go to Belle Reve with the rest of the the gang in his last appearance is because of his diplomatic immunity. Um, mm-hmm. So when he... We got that scene with Batman, and uh, I can't remember which character was with him, but they visit Hugo Strange at Belle Reve. Oh, that's right. They're wanting to know about the nature of the... Uh, Flash. They're wanting to know about the nature of the Ice Fortresses because they their primary suspects are going to be the Ice family that we saw initially. And that's when Hugo Strange says, uh, impossible, they didn't leave their cells. But what dawned on me is, this version of Batman apparently hasn't fought Hugo Strange yet. He doesn't know the fact that Hugo Strange is a very duplicitous and uh, nefarious character traditionally. Uh, he's not usually connected to Belle Reeve. He's normally, um, he's normally in association with Arkham Asylum. He's, you know, the chief, uh, chief psychiatrist of Arkham Asylum. So thought it was a an interesting choice to to take i don't know if you have any 
any takeaways on that. I think the only other time we saw Hugo Strange this season was in, in connection with uh, Bella Reeve. I think it was the episode Terrors where uh, Superboy and McGann first infiltrated the as the Terror Twins, yeah. So, And that's how we got that. Um, so we know that the Cold family has been a mm. problem since episode one. And then we see them being an issue trying to break out of Bell Reeve and then... Yeah, now having to deal with this as well, it's, it's it's a very constant thing. Like, why why is the Cold family causing so much problem, and what's going on in Bell Reeve that these people who are under are behind bars are managing to cause so much stuff uh, hmm. outside of that facility? Yeah, I guess uh, so. As much in this episode that uh, Kid Flash was kind of played by Count Vertigo, I really like that in the end he basically got to turn the tables on their head. It, it reminded me of another one of my favorite franchises, Mission Impossible. Uh, one of the great things they do in there um, is they'll set a character up because they wear these like highly sophisticated masks and they can impersonate people. They'll basically set somebody up to, to make a confession and reveal the mask and be like, gotcha. And you very much got that with this episode. You know, mm-hmm. Kid, Fash, Kid Flash is laid out, and the last time we saw him, he passed out from exhaustion after delivering the the heart to the right um the right medical team eventually so as a viewer you're 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 right there with count vertigo you think that uh this this young girl has died and that it was all for naught oh and it just felt so good when he pulls back that curtain and you see the queen there and yeah and count vertigo is going away and kid flash gets his next souvenir the scepter oh the the sword scepter which he didn't even put on the shelf it was the um the container that was holding the heart Correct, that meant to you're him. Right, that's what you're he right. yeah. good catch good catch and that was that was a uh pretty interesting design for that thing I, it, it was cool that it was like a, a backpack and had the shock absorption and whatnot so that he was free to uh dance upon the the sides of cars and whatnot because obviously the local uh forces did not do the one thing that they were supposed to do and clear a path for him and <laughs> I feel like I probably bashed on that the first time I watched it, but then I realized that it was literally all the police yeah. forces oh, from yeah, Boston yeah. to Seattle. Right. Like, there's no way all the states in this country would actually agree with each other to line up yeah. for that one person. I was like, damn, the fact that you had that much of a clear way was like, yeah. wow. And the fact that two of the straight troopers were like, did you see him? No. <laughs> did you see him? And like, after he went by, <laughs> that was great. No. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really good moment. <laughs> um, well, um, I think that kind of covers all my thoughts for that that particular episode. It was it was just nice to you know spend some quality time with Kid Flash, Wally West. He was one of the the founding members of the league. We already got a standalone episode for Aqualad, so I'm optimistic that uh, I, the season's quickly coming to a close. As, as far as I can tell, it seems like there are uh, a few threads that need to come together pretty quickly but i'm confident they can do it already based on on what such a great job they've done with the the through lines they've planted already so i will be curious to see if robin uh gets an episode of his own that'd be something i'd be excited for and you know given his his position as a founding member i think it would be only right because actually yeah now that i'm thinking about it superboy got his own episode as well with the uh the tomorrow people or the was it the Forever People? Excuse me. So yeah, I think Robin's Robin's yep. due for an episode here. 
I'm just going to let you uh, carry on your speculations and let the audience come up with their own speculation. And yeah, yeah we'll find out how right or wrong you are. So I, I guess like the, the big things to look forward to as uh, I'm sure a lot of the people that are listening to this have already watched the show and they're familiar with it. So it might be a little frustrating for them to listen to me. I have no idea what's going on. But uh, <laughs> for me, the, the, these final episodes that we're looking forward to, I guess the, the things I'm looking forward to or the things I'm expecting to see pay off is, uh, you know, what exactly is Superboy's relationship to Cadmus and the Genomorphs going to be? What is Artemis's secret, ultimately, beyond, you know, her relationship with Cheshire? And then is is McGann going to, you know, reveal to the team that she is, in fact, a white Martian? I, I mean, yeah, is there anything I might be overlooking without spoiling anything that I should be aware of? To be continued next time on Animation <laughs> Deliberation. <laughs> I guess the final the final thing I'll say is uh, they've done such a good job with uh, Doctor Fate. I hope I hope that he continues to be a uh, a significant part of the show, even if it's just an episode here or there. But hopefully, he plays at least some part in these final few episodes, given that really nice arc they gave Doctor Fate and Zatanna just in the episode we discussed not long ago, but. Oh, you, you know what? Um, while I, while we're still here and I'm just looking over my notes, one thing I did want to kind of backpedal and, and just mention is I love some of the Easter eggs the show plants. We had the in the Hello Megan episode, I was paying very close attention to the credits. Uh, one of the actors was credited as Jonathan Lord. And I was immediately like, Maxwell Lord. What is <laughs> Jonathan Lord's relationship to Maxwell Lord? And I didn't get a chance to look it up, but I want to now. That was one of those things I was like, I know Jay Scotty's paying very close attention to these names, so I'm not going to bother going through it. Well, just on a cursory goog, Jonathan Lord is definitely a character. Okay, wow, cool. He's a uh, he's a character called Silverblade, and let's see, he was a movie star who starred in a number of in a number of wide variety swashbucklers and other fantasy roles during Hollywood's golden age. Huh. I guess he only he only appeared in uh, two issues of a, a series called Silverblade, which debuted in September of uh, 1987 and ended in September of 1988. So they really have a way of bringing in these kind of names and heroes that nobody's really ever heard about. Like they don't do much with it, but yeah, they're there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, we already kind of alluded to it, but the show does such a great job for anybody like. I consider myself a DC fan, but I don't have that like encyclopedic knowledge. So it's just really cool to, you know, be watching the show and characters that I'm vaguely familiar with, I get reintroduced to and get inspired to, you know, look up their history and, and see how they fit into the bigger DC fold. And then as well as just like, yeah, completely new mm -hmm. characters like Harm and, and Secret that I already mentioned. So uh, again, I have to thank you for recommending the show. It's been a blast just to watch and uh the benefit of actually doing this podcast is re-watching it because i do get to pick up on on more of the nuance and more of the the references and and all the intention that's there so good stuff i'm yeah. glad you're enjoying it unless you got anything else i think that'll uh bring things to a close for this edition of animation deliberation thank you folks for listening in and uh you can find us on stranded panda please visit uh, strandedpanda.com 
uh, for all the great shows that they do there, including the MCU cast, the Star Wars Universe podcast, the uh, Star Trek Universe podcast, uh, as well as Bingers Assemble and the uh, Superhero Ethics podcast. So a lot of great things going on there. Uh, again, I am J. Scotty St. Clair. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter or my Instagram, you can find me at J. Scott for real. That's J-S-C-O-T-T, number four, R-E-E-L. And then the Instagram's the same thing, just add a Y, J. Scotty for real. So I look forward to interacting you, with you guys. Zuhair, you got any uh, final thoughts or anything you want to plug there, my friend? I'm good to go. Ready for the finale. All right. Take care, folks. You going to say it? Stay whelmed.